This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Hover. Go to hover.com slash GOG and get 10% off your first purchase. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Jason, I am feeling very, very old this morning. Oh, what happened, Brian? Well, <laughs> you know you're getting old when you go to your local, as I did last night, which is now <laughs> a new local, but some of the same people are still around, and I was talking to a bartender that I've known for a very, very long time, and we used to talk about things like concerts, and we would occasionally go to them together, and uh, instead, last night, her and I were talking about refinancing mortgages. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. That is what happens when you get older. <laughs> You become your parents. Yes. That's it. So that was some good times at the local last night, talking refis. Nice. <laughs> that is some sexy time. Yes, it Well, is. speaking of hanging at the local, you still have alcohol at yours, right? Uh, thank God. Yeah, we talked about this trend in London about uh, sober bars. Yes. And it's unfortunately come across the pond. Okay. There's an article in CNN called People Are Sick of Drinking. Investors are betting on the quote unquote sober curious. <laughs> now, talk it's sober curious. Kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a new place in Brooklyn called Getaway mm -hmm. where you can go for uh, for the evening and have a pub atmosphere, but not actually get messed up. OK, which. I would say defeats the purpose of going out of your house and paying for beverages <laughs> in yeah. the first place. Okay. I, I mean, sure. All right. I don't. Yeah. The th <laughs> Good on you. Uh, you know, I think, you know, this is great for people who, you know, maybe had some problems in the past and are not drinking for whatever reason, or, you know, maybe a good first date option. If you don't want to go out and get drunk and actually have a good time, uh, that's fine. The, the problem I have with this kind of journalism is they say something like it's a new kind of dry nightlife option that is cropping up in New York City. One thing is not cropping up. One bar. There is one bar. <laughs> yeah. They are not cropping up. Um, uh, fair enough. All right. Fine. If you really want to spend, you know, 15 bucks for a non-alcoholic drink. Good on you. I, there are places like Disneyland where you can spend 15 bucks on a Coke or apparently strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Well. Okay. Uh, I will not be frequenting any such establishment personally. I, I, I will enjoy my non-alcoholic beverages at home as I do. Yeah. See, here's the thing about this. Obviously, nobody's ever been an alcoholic who is trying this thing out because I would just name my non-alcoholic bar. If it's going to look like a bar or a pub where mm -hmm. you can go in and not get any booze, trigger warning. Because... <laughs> You're going to walk into that place. You're going to be sitting there with your friends. You're going to be talking. You're going to be completely coherent to all of the mindless banter going on around you. And all you're going to say is, I need a fucking beer. <laughs> and then you're going to leave that place. And then you're going to go fall back down the rabbit hole. So, yeah. So the drink is called a shrub or one of them. And it's an acidic <sighs> beverage made from vinegar, fruit, sugar, club soda, and zero alcohol. That doesn't even sound good. It sounds like drinking a fucking tree. Yeah. I mean, it's called shrub. Yeah, so right. <laughs> I'm not I am not down with the sickness on this one because, yeah, uh, well, I, I would not invest in this. I just don't see this being a high growth opportunity. 
Well, you know, the people in San Francisco are jumping on the bandwagon because apparently you can't get in the scooter game anymore. Social networks are out the window. So they need something to put all their, you know, their gold doubloons into. And now they're they're going to sober living because people apparently in Silicon Valley have decided that their brains are more important nowadays. Mm-hmm. OK, well, well, you're not going to live forever. The singularity is not coming in your lifetime. Yeah. Have a cocktail and shut up and have some fun. Exactly. And speaking of stupid health crap, I tried the Impossible Burger this weekend. Oh, Ryan, what did you think of the Impossible Burger? It is a gazillion times better than veggie patties were even five years ago. I will give them that. Um, But it basically tasted like uh, if you left your burger on the grill for about 45 minutes too long. Yeah, it still tastes like a like it tastes like severely burnt meat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it had kind of a crunchy texture to it as if you overcooked your burger. So, well, maybe you actually got it. Maybe you got an overcooked impossible burger. That's possible. I, that's impossibly possible, I suppose. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Where'd you get it? Uh, there is a new burger place that opened up here on Main Street. It's not a I didn't go to a chain. OK, I went to Fat Burger to have my first impossible burger because I'm mm-hmm. thinking if anybody can do burgers right, it's going to be Fat Burger. <laughs> it costs like four dollars more than a traditional burger. Tasted about four times crappier, and I was not impressed. I don't know what the big deal is. I'm going to wait for these things to hit Burger King soon because they're rolling them out. They're not at my Burger King. I tried the other day and said, hey, you guys got the Impossible Burger yet? And they're like, no, get out of the way. The meth heads want to buy some fries. I said, "Okay, I'm going to leave now. (laughs) Call me when you get a get. Call me when you get the Impossible Burger and meth heads. Please don't stab me with your needles. Um, And it's it's one of those things where I everybody's up in arms about it because it's just something new and I'm not I'm not going to believe the hype. I mean, I feel the same way that I do about any of these fake meats, um, you know, the fake chicken and all that sort of stuff. If I want to eat healthy, I'll have a salad and I won't have any meat. Um, That's fine. There are a million things that I could eat that I enjoy that don't have any meat product in them. And I will do that. And if I want a hamburger, I'm going to have a fucking hamburger. Exactly. I'm a carnivore. I'm happy being a carnivore, but what I'm fine being a vegetarian when I have to be, too. Mm-hmm. I would rather just not eat fake meat and yeah. just eat vegetables instead of trying fake meat. I'm just not yeah. down with the Impossible Burger because it's like, you know what? If you want to give me that lab grown stuff built from like cow cultures and cells, oh, I'll, I'll eat that. I'll yeah, I'm down that. for that. Yeah. That's fine. Just don't give me this fake crap. It's because yeah. if you look at the labels on these things, it's just chemicals. It's a lot of chemicals. Now, having said that the burger wasn't all that necessarily great, I did see that places like Taco Bell are starting to roll out this sort of stuff. And that might be a decent way to ha- try this stuff. If you, you know, ground it up and uh, dump a ton of Mexican seasonings in it, that might be all right. Yeah, yeah, mask the taste because exactly. it's not like Taco Bell uses real meat anyway. Well, I mean, I would make my own at home. I would not go to Taco Bell. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Hmm. And in some more follow up in the told you so section, a pilot was killed yesterday when a helicopter crashed onto a New York City building. And this was the a helicopter. Old geeks curse continues. Yes, it does. I told you these things go down like five dollar whores and I was not proven wrong on this one. A uh, guy who had uh, he was he was flying home. He was a private pilot, uh, fire hero guy, used to be a volunteer fireman, super, you know, manly man, had his helicopter, used to be a firefighter, uh, apparently got socked in by some weather, tried to make an emergency landing and unfortunately died in the crash. But uh, he died on the top of a, you know, a skyscraper. OK, right. if you got to I mean, if, I guess if you got to put it down somewhere. Look for a landing pad. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's tragic news, but I told you these things go down a lot. 
And uh, just one one show later, <laughs> that's what happens. So I'm going to be staying away from uh, Ubercopter. And yeah. uh, well, I'm definitely staying away because I don't go to New York. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you got to do. And a little follow up on the face surveillance at the airports. Mm-hmm. We talked about this with Bittner a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Washington Post has a fantastic article called Don't Smile for Surveillance. Why airport face scans are a privacy trap. Right. And there's a really good like four minute video at the beginning of this article where the guy goes to the JetBlue terminal and gets scanned and starts talking about it. And he's just like, yeah, this is kind of unconstitutional. Right. And you know, what's going to happen is they're going to start rolling this stuff out everywhere and you're just going to be trading your privacy for convenience. Mm -hmm. So take a step back and think about it for a second, because you still can show them your passport and your boarding pass without them having to scan your face. Yeah, I'm not going to let them scan my face, although what's the point? I I mean, they've already got it because they have already got it. We have driver's licenses. We've got everything. It's like uh, we just you can't you can't fight the future. Resistance is futile. <laughs> well, All those well, sort thing, of sci-fi tropes. That's true. That's true. But I mean, it's this. these are coming from State Department photos because this is international travel. Yeah. So they're taking your passport photo yeah. and using that because the State Department already has that. Because when they do scan it, they send your picture to ICE. And ICE is the one that actually does the facial recognition. If that isn't a chilling moment right there when you think that that's <laughs> happening. Yeah. And they say that it's because they're trying to get visa jumpers, people who have stayed too long. I'm like, well... Uh, There's a date on it. Here's the deal. They're leaving the country. Who cares? (laughs) This is an international flight. They're actually on their way out of the United States. So why do you care? They're leaving. Bon voyage. Vaya con Dios. You know, (laughs) fly safe. Bienvenue. Whatever. Just you're leaving. Why are you investing all this? Because there's there's something else behind it. But I'm not going to go conspiracy theory on it. I think it's just another trick. Right. Anyway. And I found this over at the Hustle this morning. Mm-hmm. I got a couple good ones from the Hustle today. The road to autonomous trucking is paved with more diesel mechanics than AI engineers. Right. And this is a company called Starsky Robotics. I wonder where, you know. What Hutch is up to? Exactly. What's <laughs> Hutch up to right now? Hutch is doing drones. We got Starsky, <laughs> Starsky trucks and Hutch drones. Um, this company came out in 2016 and they wanted to, you know, basically have self-driving trucks to get freight moving right. well now they have three autonomous trucks and 36 regular trucks <laughs> and what they found out was that it's like oh these trucks break down a lot so we need to hire a bunch of mechanics right you know so they got a bunch of mechanics and then when they figured out that oh we need to figure out how our training models are going to work well maybe we should hire some truckers who have actually driven these trucks for their entire life okay so they want to have 25 autonomous trucks by 2020. And <laughs> I love this. You know, they're going to have to hire a huge fleet of actual truck drivers. Right. So to, to stand behind these things and be the, the eyes behind the wheel. So what I propose is everybody's been talking about the future of AI and AI is the future. And we've said AI is people. Yes. And I think everybody should get behind the fact that the future is just telepresence. Yep. Simple we're all going to sit in our sofas with little VR goggles on driving the self-driving cars. Exactly. <laughs> you know, look at the truck driver simulators right now. They, that's exactly what people do. So if you can do that, monetize it. Hey, there you go. Telepresence. Everybody's going to be sitting on their couch. We're back to Wally now. 
You know, forget 1984. Well, look, Uh, like I've always said, it's got to be an all or nothing proposition. I I never see a future where there's mixed human drivers and autonomous vehicles. It's just not going to work. The only way it would work is with this fake AI. So maybe this is the way it's going to go. Well, yeah, I mean, until until AI gets good enough, which is still, you know, we started this show six and a half years ago. And And the future was coming then. And we said at least 10 years, maybe 20. And it's still that that mark has kept moving with us. It, with it, the goalpost has been traveling with us. I still yes. think it's 20 years for full autonomous vehicles where they're ubiquitous. Yeah. Now, see how I can pronounce that word. You can't, but I can pronounce it. I love I've that. I've made it a thing now. <laughs> and what we're going to have in the middle is these people who are watching the screens and are ready to jump in at a moment's notice and take over the the vehicle. And the problem is these people are going to be using, you know, all these screens and have 10 trucks that they're doing. What if two trucks happen to have a thing at the same time? You know, then you've got air traffic controllers. These people are going to have to be trained up. I can't, you know, it's going to be a a hell of a crazy system. And maybe all the jobs are that. No, Hmm. it's a little different than the air traffic controllers because this turns into a trolley problem. Who, which one do you actually take control over? Because air traffic control is just telling people behind the wheel to go a different way. Right. When you have to intervene in an AI truck driven thing gone wrong, you actually have to take the wheel and steer it to safety. Right. You can't be driving two separate trucks at the same time. You gotcha. know, that's what I'm saying, because I've seen some of these things where these guys are doing. Uh, it was uh, it was a mine in South America where these guys are running all of these uh, different dump trucks and loaders. And they're, they're running six different machines at the same time, and they're just keeping an eye on them. And, right. you know, that's different because that's a closed ecosystem in a mine. But when you're on the road, you know, just randomness and variability comes into play. And there's going to be times when two separate vehicles get into trouble at, two, at the exact same time. And how do you handle that? Is there a big red button that says, Joe, take this truck now? But then Joe doesn't know what's going on because he's got to get a lay of the land. He hasn't been watching where this truck is. He has to like take everything in an instant. And how is he going to handle it? There, there are going to be issues with this. But I look forward to our Starsky and Hutch future. In the news. YouTube has continued to do whatever the hell <laughs> it is they're doing. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh and, you know, it's yeah, it's not good, but uh, I, there was this great article over a slate called Bring Back the Golden Age of Broadcast Regulation. And here we go, everybody. Regulation. Go ahead. I know you people that hate me go, oh, here he goes on his regulation thing again. Well, I'm not the only one that feels this way. <laughs> people are warming up the tweets now. Yep. What almost everybody would probably agree on is this. Social media platforms like YouTube are a mess. And every time they try to clean up their mess, they fail in one way or another. We all agree about that, right? And the article is just saying, well, it may be time for the government to do something because the companies are incapable of doing it themselves. Many people assume that any resulting action would be a blow to free speech. Someone is bound to be silenced by overreaching feds. Yes, that will probably happen. It happens all the time, but it's okay. It's better than Nazis run amok, isn't it? (laughs) Tiki torches for everyone. And the thing that has to happen with YouTube is there has to be a decent, there has to actually be real customer service for this to happen, which is fair enough. There should be a pro. If you feel you've been unfairly silenced, then there needs to be a process by which you can appeal it and actually reach out to a real human being that needs to happen. We all agree with that. So that's good. But what really started to surprise me, I mean, I guess I should have known this. I can't believe how big YouTube actually is. 
It's one of the oh. most fundamental and important yeah. information sources in the world. It's the second largest social media network and the second most popular search engine on the Internet. So yeah. it is huge. People watch more than one billion hours of YouTube a day. Imagine what we could get done if people got off the fucking computer and actually went and did something. <laughs> That'd be shocking, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's huge. And uh, basically what the author is saying here is we, we used to regulate mass communication. This is mass communication. Social network, we say it's, we like to pretend it's small scale communication, but they also serve as complete broadcast channels, particularly YouTube. Uh, and we've always had some sort of regulation on what could and couldn't be broadcast. So why are they getting a free pass? Why aren't they getting the same sort of treatment that we gave other broadcast mediums all the time? Now, we may not own the Internet the way we do the airwaves, but they're not dissimilar. The Internet is a resource that was built by government researchers. And thinking about the largest Internet platform as a kind of infrastructure is a useful place to start considering what light touch regulation over the broadcasting functions might look like. And I 100 percent agree with this author. Social media platforms impact the public interest and they should also serve it. Yes. OK. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to move Come this article because I. Yeah, well, um, no, I'm, I'm with you on this. I recently read a New York Times article called The Making of a YouTube Radical. Right. And they talk about a lot of the same things in here about how the algorithm has run amok yep. because all they care about is view time. They want mm -hmm. people to sit in front of their computer and stare at YouTube and get sucked into the ads over right. and over again. Well, this is a story of a gentleman who was kind of waffling in life and went down the YouTube rabbit hole and became mm -hmm. an alt writer. And oh he he totally went that way. And for years, he was like that. And people were like, what the hell have you turned into? Well, <laughs> fortunately, the the lefties out there tried to tried to have a little change here. And they used a lot of the same tactics that the right wingers were using with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, headlines that uh, evoke a response and going after the same questions that they were answering, but answering them in a much more rational way with right. thought behind it and turn this guy around. And he is now, you know, a left winger <laughs> YouTuber. <laughs> He's got his own channel. He left uh, West Virginia, which is a good idea for anyone with a brain. It, get the hell out of West Virginia. I spent plenty of time in West Virginia. It's not a place that anyone should ever live. It's, it's kind of like our Botany Bay, I swear. But uh, beyond that, it's a really interesting article talking about how, you know, how the algorithm basically brought this guy to radicalism and right. and how the algorithm actually how manipulation of the algorithm by the other side brought him back. So right. this is an this is a war of attrition here on the algorithm side. And <laughs> it's it's crazy. And I don't right. know. If, I don't I don't I don't even think war of attrition is the right term for that because I just said it out of my butt yeah. but that's anyway okay. it's um, an escalating a, arms race it is an escalating arms race yeah that's better that's better yeah. i haven't been listening no to hardcore history very often oh by the <laughs> way his latest episode was junk oh my god yeah anyway. i got halfway through it anyways yeah um he has an he has a quote at the end of this he says youtube is the place to put out a message but i've learned now that you can't go to youtube and think that you're getting some kind of education because you're not Right. Love that line. Love that line. This is a long read. It's, a, it's about a 20 minute read, but it is very well done. And I really enjoyed it. But it, it brings to light all of the problems that these services, especially YouTube. And it, just look at the news about YouTube and all the racist crap that's going on there now. And they they still won't reverse their charge on the the story that we talked about last week with the guy that's basically being harassed. 
uh, Stephen know? Crowder, right? Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. They they stand by it, and I'm just like, why? Why are you standing by that? Oh, oh, that's right. He has three million followers. That's a lot because- of views. Yep. It's a lot of views. Anyway, yep. YouTube is kind of the enemy right now. And that's why I, I've i got a plugin that I use. I got to dig it up. I'll put it in the show notes where it basically cleans the interface and doesn't give you all of those recommended videos. So you can go watch a video. You don't see comments. You don't see anything. You just see the video that you want to see, which is the right. way it should be, <clears throat> in my humble opinion. <laughs> uh, we've talked a lot about how social media comes and goes and how all of this has happened before and it'll all happen again. Friendster came and went. MySpace came and went. Hello just went. Facebook came <laughs> along. <laughs> hey, man, Ella's still around. It's still it's hanging on for dear life with T-shirt sales. All right. Yeah. And uh, we know that Facebook is declining in popularity, particularly among younger people. And uh, as they always say, life will find a way. They seem to have discovered their own way to create a social network that is going on completely uh, without us even knowing about it until I read this article in The Atlantic. Well, we wouldn't know about it, Jason, because we are security conscious and we shut down our airdrop. So it's only oh, contacts yeah. and things of that nature. Well, yeah. kids leave theirs open and it, they become ad hoc social networks wherever they are. I had no idea this is going on. Once there's a cri- critical mass of kids around, usually enough so that it's not immediately clear who an airdrop came from, teens start dropping photos, memes, selfies, and more to every open phone around. They will usually change the name of their iPhone to something anonymous or funny to compound the joke. I had no idea this was going on. Um, yeah, so it's just all over the place. This is happening and they like to bomb basically adults that leave, that foolhardily leave theirs open. Um, and it just kind of goes around. They create ad hoc social networks wherever they are. Now, of course, some people are doing horrible things like blasting out nudes and porn and things of that nature. But in general, it, they just kind of seem to have found a way to talk to each other without the adults knowing they've created their own mini social networks. Pretty cool. I love this. I had right? no idea this was a thing. I am in total, absolute love with this. Me too. These kids are just, uh, they're fine in a way, right? And they're, yeah. they're dropping out of normal social media. They're creating their own little things. And it's awesome. This is a fantastic use of technology. I, I, I love the fact that they're doing it. They like to do it and they say it's superior to social media or text messaging because you don't have to have a person's username or phone number to share something. It's just Anybody that's around you, it's far less time consuming than sending a text or a DM, and you don't need to create a giant group chat to send things out. You can also stay anonymous. Airdrop is like a roving message board that anybody in the area can contribute to. Go kids! Yeah, unfortunately, now that we know about it, marketing it's teams ruined. are going to be sending out street <laughs> teams to just look for these and send out brand pictures. Oh, yep. Yeah, William yeah, Gibson we, is we turning over in his in his grave, even though he's not dead. <laughs> Actually, he's spinning a whole new book based on this, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. This is so Gibsonian that it's just, oh, it's so juicy. I love it. I love it, too. I really love it. Now, on the flip side of phones and how they're changing the texture of family life, this is another article over at The Atlantic. And and this is just, man, having, having a kid now... All these articles really catch my eye. Uh, Phones have saturated teenage life. 95% of Americans aged 13 to 17 have a smartphone or access to one, and nearly half report using the Internet almost constantly. But as a recent Pew survey shows, uh, many teens find much of that time to be unsatisfying, which we kind of figured. Uh, It's good to know that the kids aren't uh, 
creating and rewiring their brains so they actually enjoy this. So, but basically, it's saying that both parents, uh, the, the TLDR is both parents and teenagers think that everybody's using their phones too much. And the really interesting thing about this is teens notice parents using their phones too much. So, yep. put down your damn phone when you're with your kids. It's so funny. I was hanging out with uh, my roommate's family this weekend and her brother was in town. Her brother's mm-hmm. like, you know, mid 50s. And most of the time that he was at the table, he was looking at his phone. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I used to come to the dinner table here at the house. And when uh, my roommate's dad was still alive, he would yell at me every time. He's like, put that goddamn phone down and talk to us like a goddamn human. <laughs> and I did. And you know what? I became better at it. And when I go to their house, my phone is never on, period. And now the old guy in the room is the one that's is looking you. at his phone. No, he's looking at his phone. And I'm right. like, dude, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And you're dicking around on Facebook. What yep. the hell? Everybody's on their phones too much is the study is the is the basis of the study. And everybody's miserable because of it. Yeah. It's not I mean, making what, us happy, people. From 13 to 17, you know what I wanted most? Not a phone. I wanted a skateboard. And I wanted to go outside and hang out with my friends and do slappies and go ride ramps and have fun. I, kids are missing out on so much nowadays. Yeah, I know. And I go to Disneyland and hit on tourist chicks. It was awesome. Yeah. Nowadays, you just use your phone to summon your bird scooter. <laughs> oh, God. All right. And we've talked a lot about the deep fakes and how we're going to have to have some sort of technology of verification in the future because this stuff is just getting so good. Uh, it's good to know there's a couple companies out there working on it. So they're saying there are two main ways to deal with the challenge of verifying images. The first is to look for modifications in an image. So there are image forensic es- experts that use techniques to pick out whether any pixels or metadata seem to be altered. They can look for shadows or reflections that don't follow the laws of physics. They can see how many times an image file has been compressed determine how many times it's been saved, blah, blah, blah. The other way is to verify an image's integrity the moment it is taken. This involves basically, here it comes, the blockchain. Blockchain! So you have to use, so there are two companies out there. There's two startups. One is called TruePic, uh, and there's a UK-based one called Serilay. And basically, you have to use their apps. And their apps use proprietary algorithms to automatically verify photos when taken. If an image goes viral, it can be compared against the original to check whether it has retained its integrity on the blockchain. Blah, blah, blah. So it's not bulletproof, they admit. So this is just first steps. There are some downsides. You actually have to use the software, which I don't see as too much of a problem, particularly if you're a journalist. You can do that. Um, you know, and that could create a system of verified news. Um, he also notes that companies that attempt to commercialize this kind of technology may prioritize monetization over security. No shit. There is some trust. There's a lot of trust that we have to put in the companies building these apps as per anything. So, but at least people are out there working on it. Yeah, there is. And we talked about this on security with Bittner a while back. And the idea that I think Dave and I both came up with at the same time is, you need verification chips built into the hardware of, of cameras. So yeah. when you register your phone or you register your new DSLR, you register your identity with that camera. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you take the photo, it's part of the metadata, like encrypted metadata that goes with it that you can then trace back to the original source. Right. And that's, I think, in the future, what's going to happen It's probably, you know, 10 years down the line. But as we see this thing moving along with how easy it is to fake anything. I mean, this isn't the old days of just Photoshop. Oh, no. This is getting We're talking video, everything. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voice, video. We'll talk about voice in a second. And it's going to come down to you need these trust mechanisms in place to say, this is the original creator. Here's my ID. Check me out on the blockchain. This is, you know, 
this is how yeah. you register copyright nowadays. I take a photo, I upload it to, you know, the uh, Library of Congress. I get my certificates based on, you know, what I've what I've shot. And that's the only way that you can really find a true chain of custody in this stuff, because it comes down to chain of custody. Who took the first photo? That's why every photo that I've ever posted online is cropped. Because if I ever have to go to court and prove the provenance of a photo that I've taken, then I can say, okay, show me the original to the person who's actually using it if they say that they owned it. And then I have an uncropped copy, which has more data than the original. So, I mean, it it has more data than the copy, not the original. Um, (laughs) So that's the only way you can do it. And there's it's going to change. It has to change because all of this AI crap and uh Deep fakes are just going to go down the, the rabbit hole on this. It's bad. It's very yep. bad. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, uh, Facebook's engineers have created a new AI, yes, AI, uh, called Melnet, which can actually synthesize human sounding voices from, you know, a data set. Right. And and they've got a couple couple uh, samples in this new one with Bill Gates, which was pretty good. George Decay, which I thought was pretty interesting. Sounds pretty George Decay-ish. I mean, there's <laughs> these are one sentence snippets and there's a yeah. lot of noise in them and things like that. Did you listen to any of them? I did. I did. I uh, it not as good as some of the other things that we've heard that have been meticulously done, but not bad. I mean, considering the amount of effort that goes into it, which is next to none. So, pretty impressive. Yeah, no, it is impressive. Why is Facebook doing this? Because in the future, Facebook is going to have to generate AI users to keep up their their, <laughs> their user count because nobody's yes, going to be user using growth Facebook must anymore. continue. <laughs> exactly. So basically, Facebook is just going to be a, a a wasteland strewn with AIs talking to each other in the voice <laughs> of George Takei. So, oh my. And uh, I recommend checking out the audio samples. The links will be in the show notes. But they did Stephen Hawking, which is totally cheating. That's cheating. That's cheating. He's already got a robotically made voice. Come on. (laughs) Come on. And in sad news, Maker Faire has halted operation and laid off the entire staff. That is sad. I'm not part of the maker movement. It's not my thing, but uh, I'm very impressed by the people that are into it and do it. And a lot of cool things were coming out of it. And this is horrible that this is no longer around. I I, I wanted these kind of things to be around for my kid if he was so inclined. Here's the deal. All you rich ass motherfuckers up in San Francisco, jump in and save this company. I don't care. Give give just write a check to Dale Doherty and make it work. Come on. It's a rounding error for you on your car payment. Just, just fund this guy because I was at the first Maker Fair. I think I've been to about five Maker Fairs, and mm-hmm. I'm not a maker, but they were amazingly fun. You got to meet some really cool, passionate people and see what they were doing and what they were building, and the stuff was so cool. And it yeah. really makes me sad that this is no this is longer going to be a thing. Yeah, they, he wants to kind of TED exit and let other people do Maker Fairs, so he, you know he can just kind of license the name out. Which yep. sucks. No, you need the you need the you know the whole organization behind it because maker fairs were fun, man. Why isn't they Adam Savage so spearheading fun. something here? Come on, buddy, use use your powers for good. I uh, yeah, he really should. I mean, I I got to see Steve Wozniak play Segway Polo. I come on, how <laughs> you you can't get better than that? So I hope somebody steps in and fixes this because it sucks. It really sucks. Mm-mm. It can't cost that much money. No. And in other news, this is something that we've talked about a while, but we now have some hard data about it. 
foreign tech workers are not coming to the U.S. They are going to Canada because immigration is too damn hard here. We have hard numbers on this, all things being equal. The really strong with a really strong U.S. job market, you'd expect continued growth in foreign interest in U.S. tech jobs. That is not happening. It is flat. Uh, Canadian jobs have a higher rate of such interest than U.S. ones in May. 14% of all clicks on Canadian tech jobs posted on Indeed were from foreigners, while 9% of U.S. tech jobs had attracted clicks from candidates abroad. So everybody's going to Canada. That's where big tech is going to be if you're not American. And you know what? Uh, this is all anecdotal evidence, but yeah. all of my all of my foreign friends who are in other countries that that mm-hmm. makes them foreign that will make them foreign. Yes, <laughs> there, there it says it right there on the tin. Uh, they're scared of the United States. They don't care so much about the the immigration prospect of it. They care about the the tone that we've set in this country with the orange in chief, and they're scared yeah. to come here because they think that they're going to be targeted. That is the exact same feeling I get from my friends that uh, they, they they don't even want to come to this country anymore. This used to be where everybody wanted to come. Nobody wants to come here now. Yeah, this was the land of opportunity, home of the land of the free, home of the brave, you know, and now it's just like if you're a different color, then you're scared to come here because you think you're going to be targeted, which mm-hmm. is utter let's, bullshit. It's, it's let's turn so it around, lame. people. Let's turn it yeah. around. Yeah, let's write this ship. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Hover. Look, you need your own domain name. If not for your business, then for your family. Because you're just way cooler if you can drop an email address with a custom domain. Hover.com slash GOG is the single best place to buy your domain name. If you've ever had to buy a domain from any other registrar, you know how difficult it can be. Terrible interfaces and a constant barrage of upsells make it almost impossible to even find the domain you're looking for. Hover has an incredibly clean and intuitive user interface without all the insane upsells in a best-in-class customer support team. They have free Whois privacy unsupported domains that you usually have to pay for at other sites just to keep your private bits private, not with Hover. In every month, they have great sales on awesome top-level domains. Right now, you can get .online, .site, .space, and .website for just $4.99. And these prices do change often, so make sure you check their on-sale page when shopping for your domain. Hover has over 400 domain name extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions. The days of having to spend a fortune on .com domains is totally over. My main domains are all new extensions because it's just the new normal. It also lets you get something more aligned with who you are as a company, individual, or family. So get started today. Go to Hover.com and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com to get your awesome domain name today and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com slash G-O-G. And we thank Hover for supporting our show. This episode is also brought to you by the short film, Mr. Sam. When a mortician's love for a corpse is discovered, his once peaceful but twisted life begins to unravel. Today is a big day for Mr. Sam. He's going to reveal to his mother that he's finally found the love of his life. Mr. Sam has many secrets, but the biggest one he's managed to keep hidden from everyone for so long is discovered when his best friend Sandra arrives earlier than expected and catches him red-handed. Luckily for Sam, all may not be lost. Sandra has a secret of her own, which locks the two into a twisted pact. Life, however, is not that simple. Sam nearly breaks the pact and soon comes face-to-face with Sandra's demon, and that confrontation has deadly consequences. Sam must carry the burden for both, and for now, secrets remain buried. But for how long? Starring Christopher Piccioni as Mr. Sam and Catherine Ashmore Bradley as Sandra Polly, this film was written and directed by Zeus Kuntoyanis and Zeus Pictures, produced by Lena Lasky. 
Mr. Sam will be debuting here in Los Angeles at the TCL Chinese Theater Saturday, June 15th at 5 p.m. For tickets, go to danceswithfilms.com and look for Competition Shorts Group 3. And Zeus, our good friend, is giving away six tickets. So if you want to drop an email to Zeus at ZeusPick.com, that's Z-E-U-S-P-I-C.com, he might be able to hook you up. And I have seen this, and it is fantastic. So if you get a chance, go out and check it out yourself. Media Candy. We've got some sequel news, some upcoming sequel. There's going to be a Ghostbusters sequel, and no, not the lady version. Yeehaw! Uh, Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver have signed on for sure, which is very exciting to me. Uh, the film is said to have an Amblin-style feel. I guess that's the Spielberg kind of thing, right? And yes. it's been reported that it will focus on a family who moves back home to a small town. While there, they begin to learn more about who they are and the secrets of the town itself. To be honest, the plot does not matter when you put Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver on screen. Well, I would also like to say that uh, I listened to K-Rock the other morning and Dan Aykroyd is also on board talking about the movie. So, you know, we've yeah. got almost the whole team. We need uh, Ernie Hudson and Rick Moranis back and that's about it. Well, Rick Moranis is not coming back. He is officially Aww. retired from Hollywood, unfortunately. I wish I wish he would come back. That's yeah, I heard him on the Nerdist podcast talking about his retirement. He sounds like he's a very happy guy now. He's got all that honey, I shrunk the everything money. <laughs> yes. So yes. he's like... I'm happy here in Canada. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Now, in other sequel news of a sorts, um, there's a Big Lebowski sequel. Dear God, why? Well, first off, that's one of my favorite movies. So okay. I would love an actual sequel. But this is not that. This is John Turturro playing his uh, character, Jesus. Nobody fucks with the Jesus man. Um, and the Coen brothers are not directing it, although they supposedly have signed off on it. I, I'm just going to say that you cannot have a Big Lebowski sequel without Little Lebowski. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a Lebowski dude, so Great the movie. dude does not abide. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm halfway through Good Omens at this point. I've watched three of the six. Okay, Loving I've watched it. two of the six. Hmm. It's very good. I'm enjoying it immensely. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I, I am surprised at my, my, <laughs> my fortitude. It's staying, staying to one a week. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm well doing done. good. I will be yeah. done with it by the next episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. I started watching Barry the other mm, day, Okay, which is actually really good. I've heard it's very funny. It is very funny. It's popcorn. You know, it's about a hitman that comes to LA and decides to be an actor. Yeah. But I, I ended up spending 10 minutes last night talking to my roommate because there was a scene, I think it might be an episode five where they're going to kill a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And this guy that they brought in runs into the room screaming, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> and I fucking lost my shit. <laughs> I, I almost fell off the couch laughing so hard. Right. And, and she's just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. So I had to sit there and explain Leroy Jenkins to her, show <laughs> her the video and go through the back history of it, which obviously made it not very funny. Right. But my God, the fact that they busted out a Leroy Jenkins joke. In season one, I was I was dying. And uh, Henry Winkler is just genius in it. I love him so much. So, yeah, yeah it's it's not techie. It's not anything. It's just funny as hell. So if you if you want something good and popcorny, definitely check out Barry. It's it, it puts a smile on my face. And I found this uh, another one from the hustle today. How billboards skewed album rankings birthed the bizarre bundling business. <laughs> 
And I figured you might like this one because it's got your favorite person, DJ Khaled. Jesus Christ. That's such a waste of space. <laughs> Maybe they can bundle some talent with his next album. Exactly. That's pretty much the uh, what everybody says. But what he's been doing and other people have been doing are bundling their album downloads to mm-hmm. giveaways. Yep. And he got busted for like bundling his album with a sports drink. And they said, <laughs> no, come on, dude. Yeah. That's a you little got, too much. It's a little crazy. I mean, Taylor Swift once did a bundle with uh, pizza from Papa John's. It's yeah. crazy. That's insane. <laughs> I, I get bundling. I get the idea of bundling if you're getting something uh, unique or like uh, extra album tracks or, you know, the B-sides since you don't do anything like that anymore online. That is fine. I get that. But yeah, you can't bundle. Look, <laughs> I'm bundling it with a car. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. But hey, yeah. you know, and- the world is crazy. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, we're talking about bundling their entire album. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's what gets, you know, because I, I guess... That's what gets the, the full albums, not the, not just the single plays on Spotify. Yeah, which has like a 1700X multiplier on it based yep. on single tracks. So I would just like to go back to what we've always said on the show is that stats are all bullshit. This is true. That's true. And Steven Spielberg is back in the news. Mm-hmm. He... <laughs> I uh, we've said so many times about how there are too many streaming services and the children are going to start <laughs> eating themselves. Well, there's a new streaming service called Quibi. Mm-hmm. Quibi. Quibi. Uh, yes, this is from the the big Hollywood elite. You know, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Yep. If Katzenberg's involved. Oh, dear God. Well, so Spielberg came in and said, I want to write something scary. But here's the here's the kicker. You can only watch it at night. That's that's what I want. I, I don't you're not allowed to watch it during the day because I want everybody to have the experience of what I'm going to do. And, you know, of course, they send it off to the engineers and the engineers are like, yeah, we can. No, you know, and I'm can't. sure. <laughs> Let me finish. Let me finish. Because they're saying, yeah, yeah, on the phone, on the device, we can figure out the IP address. We can figure out your geolocation. Sure. What they didn't say was <clears throat> VPN. Mm-hmm. Um so <laughs> you can, can I watch it during anywhere. an eclipse? Oh, oh, I I don't know. I mm, don't know. Interesting. These yeah, fucking but, idiots. Uh, God, yeah. how can they be so rich and so smart and so stupid? I know. Uh, no. <sighs> okay. I'm sure somebody brought up the VPN thing to Spielberg. He's like, oh, well, that's just an edge case. Uh, well, <laughs> no, it's not nowadays, my friend, my friend. Outside of the fact that once it airs anywhere, there will be copies that can be downloaded, that can be watched at any time. Exactly, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Here's, the, here's the other kind of crazy thing. He's, he's basically making a movie, yeah. but they're only going to be released in like 10-minute bite-sized chunks. Like, like, like how, you know... Stephen King used to release stories and things of that nature. I get it. I, it seems like these guys, as they get older, are desperately trying to claw onto their past and, and the stuff that they had when they grew up as kids, not realizing that the world has moved on. Well, I can't blame them for that, because I tell you what, when they were kids, shit was more entertaining. That's true. <laughs> so not argue with that. I'm not I'm not going <laughs> to argue with the fact that they want to bring back the good stuff that we used to have. Fuck binging. Fuck all this noise. Here's but, an idea. How about you just create good content and not try to fuck around with delivery methods? That's what I we're looking know. for here, Spielberg. Here's the deal. I'm I'm okay with this. I'm I'm not like you. I'm not gonna go down that. Oh, I, times bullshit. You're not ah, gonna subscribe no. to another streaming service. You are not oh, no. down with this. You're not gonna subscribe to Quibi. 
I'm well, I wasn't talking about Quibi. I like the idea of trying to model the message around what you think people should should see it at. You know, I think it's more fun. I think it's more fun. You're just like me, motherfucker. Don't even go there because you're like, I really like when they release one episode a week. I don't want to be able to binge <laughs> everything. So just shove that shit up your ass right now because you're 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 taking the wrong side on this and you know it. I think this is more fun to, to go back to, to drip release and, you know, OK, you can only watch it after it gets dark, which is more fun. And then you can. Everybody can talk about it. It becomes a cultural I do like moment. That. I don't know if I necessarily want short 10 minutes of, a, of an actual TV show or movie. I don't want 10 minute dribs. Yeah, that part's a little stupid. OK, I mean, there we at go. least give me at least give me 30 minutes. Yes, you give know? me 30 minutes, not 10. Yeah, that's yeah, just 10, dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what I just OK, sun's down. I'm going to take a dump and go watch a quibby. <laughs> Um, that, that, that'll be the new, I'm going to go take a quibby, quibby, take a quibby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, honey, I, can you I have me some TP? <laughs> can you have me some TP? I read out when I was having a quibby. <laughs> so I, 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 en- I enjoy the, the, the fact that he's trying something and the fact that he's back to writing it. This is his project. Okay. Steven Spielberg needs to write more stuff. He's good at it. I I'm enjoy his that. stories, yep. but yeah. And, uh, Quibi has actually raised a billion dollars. Well, of course point. it has. Look at the names involved. <laughs> Katzenberg, Guillermo del Toro, Sam Raimi, which I'm down with. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, Lawrence Fishburne, Antoine Fuqua, you know, just to name a few. So there's yeah. going to be a good bit of talent behind this. That's fine. I'm, I'm totally I, I'm fine with, with that. I'm with that too. I don't need another network and I don't need Quibis. No, bundle it. <laughs> you got to bundle it. <laughs> you get a pizza and a Quibi. I'm down with a pizza and a Quibi because I'm going to have to take a Quibi after a Papa John's pizza. That's for damn sure. That's right. And this one's just for you. Dune, the Sisterhood. It's a series coming from Denis Villeneuve, Mm -hmm. and it's coming to the Warner Media streaming service. Another fucking streaming service, which, by the way, if you looked at the pricing structure on the Warner streaming service, is ridiculous. It's like 16 bucks a month. Yep. Way too high. Way too high, especially for, you know, doing the sisterhood. What do you think about this one, Brian? I don't know what to think about it yet because I haven't seen his movie yet when the the his take on Dune is coming out November 2020. So Dune is tough. Um, we'll see if if the movie's good, then I'm in on the series. If the movie's crap, then no, thank you. I rather he did Dune the Sisterhood the movie and Dune the series. Yes, I agree with you 100% on that. I think you could make a really compelling story about the Sisterhood, um, a really compelling movie about it. I think that'd be fantastic. Dune is never meant to be a movie. We'll see what happens. It's too dense. You have to take out too much to make it a movie. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know, man. I really wish somebody would really take the Game of Thrones treatment to Dune. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be huge. HBO, are you listening? Quibi? How about you don't <laughs> 10 minute Dune chunks that go on forever? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Oh, the Quibi must flow. <laughs> At the library. Jason, I have been reading tons every single night. I was like, I am going to finish fall or dodge in hell i'm gonna finish it for the next show i've read so much every single night and then i looked at the percentage of the book i've read 33 <laughs> percent my well, I, god I'm this at, is a long book <laughs> i'm at about 67 68 percent 
uh, because I can fortunately two exit because I'm listening to the audio book. But Jesus crispy, this man needs to put less words and just, just cut a few words. It'll be perfect. It could have yeah. cut a bunch of chapters at this point. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm loving the book, but uh, here's the I'm, I'm sure I could have looked at the page count or, or whatever, but here's the difference between downloading a book and going and buying a hardcover. If I had the hardcover in my hand, I probably would have been daunted. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have bought the hardcover because you, you'd have to go to the gym to carry it home. It's like 700 and some odd pages. I the had thing no is idea massive. it was that long when I started it. So here we go. I'm still working through it. Loving it, well, though. I think I mentioned the audiobook is 31 hours. <laughs> 31 hours. That's almost an entire work week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even at, I, I, like, I listened to the first half of it at 1.5x, and I'm like, okay, okay, let's move this shit along. And I jumped <laughs> up to 2x, and I'm, it's still going. Um, it's weird. It gets weirder as you go. I'd imagine. And you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> there's going to there's going to come a point where you're going to be like, why am I still reading this book? Push oh, through no. that. Okay. Push through that pain. All Push right. through that pain because I'm pushing through that pain and I don't want to be alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to know. Gonna... Uh, All right. I want to know how this thing ends. Now, the only thing that really like was a bright spot for me was when Enoch Root showed up, the new version of Enoch Root, and they talked about the Shaftos. And I'm like, okay, okay, we're tying into the myriad of books he's had in the past. Finally, you know, we're talking about all of the, we're talking about Cryptonomicon, we're talking about that entire Baroque Cycle series and all that See, stuff. See, that, wor that worries me because I hated those books. Well, they're only bit characters. They don't right. have, they're right. just, they're sprinkled. Okay. It's like, a, it's, it's a smattering of of the old names but to, to hear the old names is fun okay. it's fun but yeah you're gonna be like why am i reading this book at some point but i i encourage you to push through that and just so uh, i can share your misery if it ends so can, up sucking it's it's not misery <laughs> it's just like where is this going yeah i don't I'm, know I'm where this that, is going so. okay i'll keep at it yeah if he does not wrap this thing up right he's going he's <laughs> Uh, he's going into Daniel Suarez territory if he doesn't wrap this thing up well, because I've got a lot of time invested in this motherfucking book. So come on, come on, Neil, bring it home. Moron of the week. I shall present this without comment. This is uh, <laughs> a one of, one of my part of our show. What are you doing? One of our latest tweets from our twatter in chief. For all of the money we are spending, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. They should be focused on the much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, parentheses, of which the moon is a part, close parentheses, defense and science. Exclamation point. <laughs> okay, well, if you're not going to have any comment, no we're going to move on to the next one. Moving on. Justin Bieber challenges Tom Cruise to a fight. Somebody had some cocktails that night. And they weren't the non-alcoholic ones. <laughs> no, he did not have a shrub. Justin writes, I want to challenge Tom Cruise to fight in the octagon. Tom, if you don't take this fight, you're scared and you will never live it down. Who is willing to put on the fight at Dana White? And uh, even even UFC replied with boogly eyes. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> so I think uh, I think Justin might be back off his meds. And uh, it, Tom Cruise is 56 years old. 
Justin Bieber is 25 years old. They're both pretty ripped, but I think in a straight fight in the octagon, Tom Cruise would just take this boy in seconds. Uh, my money would be on Cruise as well. Yeah. I mean, I'd I know he's a, he's a movie fighter, but he's also a <laughs> He does his own stunts. He's been trained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That training that he does is like, he does real training. So, and he's old, which means he's stronger. And he, because he hasn't hit that, that curve where you start to go downhill. He's 56. My yeah. dad is 70 and he's still stronger than I am, you know? Yeah. So, Hey, don't even say it. Don't even say it. <laughs> Apples and oranges. But, uh, well, that's true. He does garden every day. Anyway, I, Biebs, you're a moron. Feedback loop. We've got some new Patreon subscribers. Hot Wings for the win. Daryl, Zach, Admin X, and Derek. Thank you so much. And John writes, so recently I went back to Facebook and did a 23andMe despite completely being on your side about these kinds of things. But my reasoning is I'm a Korean adoptee and I'm trying to find my birth family. And there's a lot of resources on Facebook groups for these things. The struggles, sad smiley. Well, John, I think I sent you a note on Patreon, but uh, you know what? If there is one reason to do this kind of thing, I think that you nailed it. it. Yep. So <laughs> good good luck finding your your parents. I'm, I'm with you on this one. So if you got to do it, that is an actual reason to do it, not just to post cat pictures and pictures of your grilled cheese sandwich. So good luck, man. Good luck. Good luck. And over at PayPal, we got donations from Tavi, William, Chris, and a new recurring payment from Michael. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. We, I mean, you, you have no idea how much we appreciate it. Yep. And over at Twitter, Barrett writes in, photos of travelers coming in and out of the U.S. have been hacked and stolen. I think we just talked about this, Brian. <laughs> so, <laughs> And he writes, ugh, just ugh. Can any of these agencies get their shit together when it comes to security? Well, apparently not. No, no, they cannot. <laughs> Bastion writes in, Jason, I was just listening to the podcast this morning on the drive and heard your rant on New York City helicopters. Opened up CNN and one crashed. Precognition? That's yes. just what we do here, sadly. That's what we do. We do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was it, Now, here, here's the question. Was it the fact that we saw it coming or did we cause it? Ooh. And I still stand by the fact that we did not kill David Bowie. I don't know about that one. Yeah, we might have killed David Bowie. But yeah. uh, go back to the archives if you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Quantum Leap says, Rim of the world. I'm not a fan of American SUVs, but that 1974 Ford Mustang, boy, I could use a spare one. Uh, yeah, that was a sexy car. That was a sexy car. And I still love Rim of the world. If you haven't seen it on Netflix, go check it out because you're just going to smile. I have not watched this yet. Friend of the show, Mike, said it was horrible. Well, friend of the show, Mike can go fuck himself. <laughs> Seth writes in, in regards to local file transfer from Mac to iPad, all of this has been moved to the Finder. So when you plug in your device, it's on the left in the Finder window. I hate that. I hate that little thing that pops up. Well, the annoying part about it is I, I run a bunch of audio stuff and I can't upgrade to the latest version of the Mac OS for like right. a year. I'm still <laughs> running High Sierra. I don't even have Mojave on this machine because I like things to work. When yeah. I show up to do a show, I want it to work. That is that is helpful. Yeah, it is. And over at GOG.show, Neil writes in, Hey, Grumps, you were whining about uh, Google not giving you Magic Fire data on their on their Maps product in 351. Uh, Fahrenheit 351, huh? There's a, there's a callback. Uh, here's the best you will do. Real-time satellite data showing hotspots. This is what firefighters use from the MODIS data set. Yeah, it's a couple hours old, which is a, a bummer, but because you got to wait for the satellite to fire over. But check over. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. It's called MODIS. 
and uh, it's from NASA, and they've got pretty good hotspot data. It's it's really interesting to zoom in and check stuff out. Yeah, they've got the pretty good data for now until NASA gets defunded because we have to go to the moon and Mars. Well, and now we're taking other. now we're taking tourists to the ISS to help pay for everything. <laughs> yes, I saw that. The funny thing about that is, this, I can't remember how many millions of dollars it is to get up there, but they leave out the thirty five thousand dollar a night room charge. That's one hell of a, a maid fee. Yeah, quite. A uh, friend of the show, Bob, writes in, I think electric cars should all sound like the cars from the Jetsons. I agree. God, that would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine writes in, well, in Australia, it's been decided that Uber drivers are not employees since drivers have control over whether, when, and for how long they work. And this is uh, from The Guardian. And he says, it's a nasty precedent, especially since in Australia, employees have a minimum wage, but not contractors. Yeah, it sucks. I, I mean, I, you'd think there'd be an easy fix for that. That, that you, you know, if you work over a certain amount of hours, then you're an employee. End of story. Yeah, that's but, really what it needs to be. You know, yeah, more than fifteen. It's, it's not like we don't hours. have technology in the blockchain to track these things, or in their payment system. <laughs> yeah. So, and he also says, Jason said he likes phones with keyboards. So here's one for you. This is the Cosmo Communicator. It runs on Android, so I'm sure you won't like it. Correct. You are correct, <laughs> sir. And it's a it's an interesting looking it's phone. Funky if, looking. If I was, you know, back in 1998. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to pass on this one. It's not cheap and it runs Android. So yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> and Dunder Monkey writes in, just in new Apple feature to save everyone besides Jason <clears throat> and Brian. $15 to use the iPad as a second screen. Just finished listening to the Peekaboo episode, and this popped up on the next site as a suggested read. And it's a uh, pocketlint.com description of how Sidecar is going to work. First off, maybe the interwebs are listening to me and to you. Second, cool idea. Stay grumpy. I'll let you need read the last, next line, Jason. Deliveroo! Yours in grump, Dunder Monkey. <laughs> yeah, well, we know they're listening. That's okay. And Martin writes in, wanted to try supporting you by clicking stars on Overcast and found it's another Apple only fucking app. Too bad. I like listening to you guys and we'll toss you another PayPal donation soon. Stay grumpy. I know I am. Well, thank you, Martin. And yeah, sadly, uh, Overcast is iOS only. Yes. And Mark writes in, I cashed in my coin jar and sent you a $25 donation via PayPal. Thank you so much. You guys have given me value, so you've earned a little back. For example, one, I learned about VS Code on your show, and now it's my general purpose editor. Two, dyslexia is my default font, even though I don't have dyslexia. I do an enormous amount reading for my job, and I can read text rendered in dyslexia so much faster and with less eye strain. My eyeballs, thank you. I didn't think about that usage. Maybe I should try it. That's a really I when I saw this, I'm like, that is actually a really good use of the font because that's what it's built for. I so, wish I could get it to run on my Kindle app. That'd be great. No, that would be definitely really good. So um, but I mean, just for general purpose, I think I definitely got to try that. That's really good call a good there. idea. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, hours of infotainment during my shitty commute. And you read my feedback during the show, which is fun for me. So now I get to explain Waffle Balls. Oh, yes, this is Mark from Waffle Balls, <laughs> Waffle New Balls. York. <laughs> Waffle Balls is a Google Assistant mistranslation of my current hometown, Wappingers Falls. I actually know where that is, believe it or not. Really? It's, uh, it's near, It's I believe it's near Watkins Glen, which is where uh, my old partner Wendy is from. So I think oh, I've been okay. near there before. I could be wrong, though. It's really fun to say Waffle Balls, Waffle Balls, Waffle Balls. I'm going to figure out how to make them one day stay grumpy and thanks for all the fun mark from waffle balls new york well thank you very much mark <laughs> and i love that dyslexia thing that's really cool 
And over at iTunes, Grumpalumpagus writes, <laughs> I love Grumpalumpagus. As far as cooking shows go, I'd give them a D minus. But I guess if you listen to the underlying message, there's some A plus tech content in there. I've heard some great tips about password managers, suggestions for protecting credit cards and otherwise great tech gadgets and media discussion. But I still don't know how to make an amuse bouche. Seriously, <laughs> though, I've been listening for however long it's taken Jason to move from L.A. to Chicago and back to L.A. again. <laughs> hey, I think you missed missed one iteration. There, uh, there, there might have been a, there might have been another loop in there <laughs> and have always enjoyed the content, the banter between Jason and Brian and the format of the show. The Raccoon King is also a great addition to the security segment. Keep on grumping. Well, thank wow, you, you so do much. Listen. <laughs> he really he really is a listener. Thank you so much, Grumpalopagus. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> if you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and snarky review. I've got some shout outs to our Clash Royale clan. And if you're wondering where we're at, we're over at GOG.show on Clash Royale. So big shout outs to Beta Bucket, Massa Shocker, Tachycardia, Alpine, Jay the Destroyer, Mommy, uh, El Jefe J, Mommy, El Jefe J, Sal the Turtle, Rygon, Raf, Trump's Damn Taxes, Asloth, Rogue Mad Fox, Paces, The Boss, Skuma Steve, Stricky, Soccer, Sucker Furman and Clan Chowder. So if I missed anybody, any of the elders or co-leaders, I'm sorry. You can yell at me in game and I'm sure I'll fix it later at some point. But these (laughs) are the guys that keep our Clash Royale clan humming and going. And it's a ton of fun hanging out with these guys and gals. And uh, if you want to join up, let me know. We're kicking people off who have been, uh, let's say, less than ebullient about their uh, participation. and. uh, if you if you go dark for a month, then you're out of the clan. So, and that's just fine. I think that's because, fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. A month is a month is a good good time frame. So I've been dark but, for a year. Yeah, and we kicked you out after you were dark for three days. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but anyway, thanks to the guys over there, and uh, we're having a ton of fun. It's just it it kills some time, and we just shoot the shit. It's all good. So excellent. And my shout out is to the U.S. Women's World Cup team. As we're recording right now, it is two hours, seven minutes and five seconds until their first game in this 2019 Women's World Cup. And I'm very excited about it. And uh, go, go USA. All right. All right. Well, good luck, girls. I am very much rooting for you. I I have my hat and my banners and my Vuvuzela ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schellmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 352. And there you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.